Lord, I thank you so much for tonight. Lord, I thank you for this time, this moment, this space where we get to be together on this day, where we get reminded of your love. Your love when things are hard, your love when things are peaceful, your love when things are victorious. And Lord, we then get the charge to live out of that love that you've given to us. Man, Lord, will you help us today on this Mother's Day? Lord, that as we span the emotions of today, I pray, Lord, that you will be with us, be near. We ask it in the name of Jesus, amen. Oh, it is Mother's Day, and I do wanna say a happy Mother's Day to you mothers in the room and uh, to you mothers online and, uh, and just all that comes with this. Clint's gonna take us through a, a moment a little bit later on, kind of introspectively about Mother's Day. Uh, but I did wanna just say thank you. Uh, thanks for being here on this day where oh, all these places you could be, you chose to be here uh, and to receive this love from God the Father and then allow God's love to pour into you and through you uh, to your families and to friends and to uh, loved ones and, uh, and every, everything else, and so everyone else. And so I just wanted to say thank you. Uh, thanks to each of you guys. And so we're, we're grateful on this day. I am very thankful for my mother because as Darren pointed out earlier, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here today. Uh, and so I am very grateful uh, for her. I'm also grateful because she had another son and his name was Colonel Nathan Earl Cook II. And this is my older brother. Uh, he's five years older than me. And uh, you may not be able to see a whole lot, but what, what you can see is uh, my brother is, is pretty stinking awesome. Uh, and uh, he is probably one of the most talented, one of the most, um, I don't even know, influential, um, one of the most instrumental men uh, in my life. And uh, the example that he has set for me in so many ways, um, I'm, I'm forever and ever grateful for him. Um, I know him as Nate. And, uh, and, and so he's five years older than me. Growing up, I wanted to be just like him. I wanted to live life following in his footsteps. I played the same football positions he did, wore the same number, ran the same races in track that he did. Not quite as fast as he did, but I did run the same races in track. And uh, I just, I spent time as the ball boy on his high school football team on Fridays, rather than being with friends for lunch, he would take me to lunch. I would spend time eating the pregame meal with my brother on a Friday, him and me. And we spent time and then we'd go have the Friday night football game or get on the bus and drive and go wherever we were going, whatever the case may be. He made an incredible impact on my life. And so as I was the ball boy and all this kind of that, next thing you know, I've got my brother on the sidelines or actually in the stands cheering me on as I'm playing football or as I'm running around a track or whatever the case may be. And it was just amazing to have a brother like him. And I'm so proud of him. I'm proud of the husband he is. I'm proud of the father that he is. I'm proud of the, the man of God that he is. And the fact that he has balanced success within the midst of his faith in a way that is very inspirational uh, to me. And I just, I just am so thankful for who he is. Many of you in this room, you know Nate. Uh, you know Nate and Tracy because they were a part of Legacy while he was stationed at Fort Hood. And uh, you guys got to come alongside their family as, as they were on one of the deployments uh, while, while he was away. And uh, we got to care for Tracy and the boys. And so thank you for that. You know, I remember the day that I recognized how special my brother was and how high ranking he was as a military officer. I remember going to Fort Hood one day and I drove up and I went to go see my brother. And as we're driving around, everywhere we went, people were saluting him. 
And I was like, this is really weird. I don't understand what's going on. And everywhere he went, people were, yes, sir, and all this kind of thing. And, and at the time he was a major. And, uh, and I just remember thinking, man, and then it struck me as I listened to the soldiers that were underneath his responsibility. I remember listening to them talk about him and the way that they spoke highly of him and the way that he cared for them and the way that he was a strong leader and the future that they saw in him. And I realized that this is not a really common thing for subordinates in the military to, to necessarily speak real positively of their commanding officers because sometimes there's kind of some strain there, understandably so. Uh, but to listen to these, these soldiers speak about him, it really was amazing. You know, the thing that I recognized on that day, I, I, was, I was thinking about just how amazing he is, but I also was thinking, he's still my brother. This guy's influential. You know, he's, he's spent time as the right hand of the chief of staff of the army. He's been, he worked at the Pentagon. He's been all over the world as, with all of these government leaders and everywhere, all these generals and all this kind of stuff. And he's still my brother. And I know his ins and outs. I know strengths and weaknesses. I know the, the, the positives, the negatives. I know these things about him. The cool thing is, is he knows the same thing about me. I know the things that he, he sees that he wants to be better in. He knows the things in me that I long to strive to be better in as well. And so we recognize that no matter how high ranking he is, no matter how, how great he is, you can see just how far he still has to go. And and him looking at me as his younger brother, him seeing the same thing in me. It was just a, an eye-opening experience for me to see this person who is so successful, so strong, so, has so much responsibility, but yet also to see the humanity at the same time. It was just really eye-opening for me. Now, of course, it also comes with a little humor because, you know, one day, this was when my brother was, was a major, uh, it was kind of during that same time that I recognized uh, kind of where he was going in the military and, and kind of what the future path looked like for him. And uh, he's a major and I called him. Now, at that time, he carried two phones. And so one phone, we'll call it the bat phone because that's what I called it back in the day, right? You know I me mean? because you never know who may be calling, right? The bat phone. Anyway, so he, he had the bat phone, which is his work phone. And then he had his personal phone. Well, one day he was at work and man, he was just doing his work thing. And I called him and he picks up his, his personal phone and answers like he does for the military, right? He's his major cook, you know, with this big, strong, commanding, awesome voice, you know? And me, this little brother, you know, I mean, I hear it on the other side. I respond to him exactly like a little brother would with hysterical laughter. Right? I mean, major cook, you're not even a minor cook, man. I mean, come on, right? It's like, come on. And so I die laughing to which he responds, you know, there's not a lot of people that respond to me that way whenever I answer the phone. And, and I'm like, yeah, well, he goes, but you know, a little humility is good for me, right? And so he saw this and everything. We had a good laugh and everything. And uh, we went on about our conversation. And of course, you know, now you do realize that the next time that he contacted me and I saw his name on my phone, my response, Reverend Cook, right? You know what I mean? I mean, I had to, we got to keep things on the up and up and professional and everything because if we're going to be that way. Anyway, it was, it's just, it's just fun. Nothing like a little humility though, right? Nothing like a little humility. It reminds me of a truth, you know, because it's truth that has stuck with me since the day that I heard it. And it's this, the closer I get to the Lord, the further I realize I have to go. Now that can be 
a tough thing to receive, but it is the truth though. You know, because no matter how well I think I'm doing, no matter, no matter how I feel like I'm getting closer and closer to the Lord, it seems like in those moments where I get really, really close, it's like the Lord begins to open up a, a corner of my heart or a darkness in another part of my life and just kind of open that next chapter up and say, okay, now we're gonna work on this. You are right, you're close and we're close, but now we get to work on this next thing. And so it's this truth that the closer I get to the Lord, the further I realize I have to go. And I'm so thankful the Lord is out in front of me just pulling himself, pulling me to himself, right? Pulling me this way. And that's just a, a beautiful truth that, man, no matter how good we've got it, no matter how good we are here on this earth, no matter how powerful, no matter how successful, no matter whatever, we've all got a long way to go, don't we? We've just not arrived. We're a work in progress on this marathon of race. And man, or this, this marathon, this race that we're in of life, this marathon of life. And, and it's true as dads, it's true as moms, it's true as children, it's true as brothers and sisters and coworkers and bosses and subordinates and recreational friends and all that kind of stuff. We've got a long way that we still have to go. And thank goodness for the way God sees us. Thank goodness he sees through all of that stuff to who we are. He's able to overcome so much of how we kind of look down on ourselves if you really get down to it. So I'm, I'm grateful that the Lord is able to kind of revisit and able to remind me of what's most important, how I see God, how I see people. I'm so thankful for this and it's so good. You know, so far over the last several weeks, we've been revisiting who we are who we are, what we do, and why we do what we do as we are anticipating our relaunch as Legacy Hutto this fall. In August, we get to relaunch. And so we're gonna recap, all right? So let's just recap where we've come over the last several weeks. And so let's just make sure that we all know together as a church, what is our mission? Oh, Carl's taking care of you, isn't he? Carl, can you wipe that off the, the, the thing? Right? What is our mission as a church? Okay, let's try this one more time together. Ready? Love God, love people. If we get two things right, that's what we gotta get right. If we get one thing right, we love God. If we get two things right, we love God and we love people. This is, this is our goal. This is our goal as a church to love God and love people. Over the last few weeks, we've been talking about our core values, who we are as a church and the things that drive why we do what we do because of these values that we hold very high. And the first value is this, everything through relationships. We know that whatever's going on, as long as there is relationship, we can get on the other side of any conflict. We can get on the other side of any victory. We can get on the other side of anything that we need to get through together. Whatever the enemy throws our way, we're okay because we have relationship that we share together. That comes from the fact that God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are relational. Therefore, he makes us relational, created us in his image. And so we long to have everything through relationships. The next core value is that we fight normal. We fight the norms of the culture in which we live that are unhealthy. We fight the norms of the culture, of the church culture that are unhealthy, the hypocrisy and the backbiting and judgment and all those kinds of things. We fight normal in the way we spend our money. We fight normal in the way that we care for people. We fight normal in the way that we serve people. We fight the norms of our culture, of what the goal is as we live life here on this earth. And I'm so thankful for that truth that we get to, to share as a core value. And then of course, today, our greatest example of fighting normal as a church 
is following Jesus' lead in this value, who we are for rather than what we are against. It's about people. We're gonna major in on the love of people. As God has loved us, we get the privilege of loving people. And so our example for today is the woman caught in adultery. This woman that was caught in adultery, we see how Jesus responds to her and we take our cues from Jesus on what our responsibility is when people's behavior is perhaps maybe a little in question, including ours, right? And so we look at this and we say, okay, John chapter eight, verses one through 10. Jesus returned to the Mount of Olives. Early the next morning, he was back again at the temple. A crowd soon gathered and he he sat down and he taught them. As he was speaking, the teachers of religious law and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in the act of adultery, caught in the act. They put her in front of the crowd. Teacher, they said to Jesus. This woman was caught in the act of adultery. Now the law of Moses says to stone her. What do you say? We have this, we have this, question that Jesus has asked. And of course, they were trying to trap him into saying something they could use against him. But Jesus stooped down and he wrote in the dust with his finger. Now, there's lots of things that are uh, theories out there as to what Jesus was writing. Perhaps maybe he was writing the names of the, of the men that were standing around, the people that were standing around, and maybe he was writing their names in the ground. Maybe he was writing the sins of the people that were standing around ready to throw stones at this woman. We're not sure exactly what he was writing, but we know he stooped down and he's writing in the dust with his finger. Verse seven, they kept demanding an answer. So Jesus stood up and he said, all right, but let the one who has never sinned throw the first stone. Genius, beautiful response, Jesus. He says these words and he stoops down again, continues writing in the dust. When the accusers heard this, they slipped away one by one, beginning with the oldest, until only Jesus was left in the middle of the crowd with the woman. Jesus stood up again. He says to the woman, where are your accusers? Did not even one of them condemn you? No, Lord, she said. And Jesus said, neither do I. Go and sin no more. We see the unconditional love of Jesus. We see the fact that Jesus's love is not based upon our behavior. This is where that phrase, there's nothing you can do that'll make God love you any less. It also is that phrase that there's nothing that you can do that'll make God love you any more. So Jesus's love is not conditional based upon our behavior. And so it's this understanding of meeting people where they are in hopes that life will forever be defined by interacting with Jesus's love, that we get our marching orders. That's what we're longing for, that their life would forever and ever be defined by Jesus's love in their life, not ours. And so we read with that understanding, Paul's description of mankind and why we focus on the who over the what. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. Paul writes, we are his workmanship, his masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. 
So it's important for us when we talk about who we're for rather than what we're against, it's important for us to understand why sinners ran away from the church in the first century. It's important to understand why people who didn't have perfect behavior ran away from the church and ran to Jesus. Why would they do that? Why do they do that? Well, the reason is it had everything to do with Jesus's attitude towards people. People could sense that Jesus was for them, not against them. John Burke writes in his book, Mud and the Masterpiece, he writes, unlike the Pharisees who could only see the mud of sin, Jesus saw a masterpiece under the mud that was so valuable, he was willing to give his life to restore messy people to the original work of art he created them to be. That's who God's called us to be, individually and collectively as a church. Jesus focuses on the heart instead of the actions. And it's important that we do the same because then as hearts are transformed, what typically happens is as transformation takes place in a person's heart, action typically follows. But we gotta make sure we start with the heart, not the actions. It's very important that we do this. Why? Because behavior is an external expression of an internal condition. That's why what's coming out of a person is simply what's going on inside of them. It's just an external situation, external circumstances, external expressions of an internal condition. And there's lots of reasons for the internal condition, most of which we have no clue about and have no business pointing fingers about behavior. We gotta see through it to the heart. Why? Because it's unreasonable to expect people to act like they follow Jesus if they don't. Very simple. Churched people, unchurched people, people who love Jesus, people who... We're talking about following Jesus. It's unreasonable to expect people to act like they know Jesus if they don't. Yet the problem is, is that as Stephen Covey writes, many people today judge a person by their actions, yet judge themselves by their intentions. See, we're really kind to ourselves when it comes to our behavior. We tend to justify these things. We tend to try to find what works for us. But yet when it comes to other people, we're pretty quick to throw stones, pretty quick to point fingers. We gotta be careful about this. And so this is why we say who we're for rather than what we're against. What flags are we gonna fly, right? The flags of who we're for, not the flags of what we're against. It's so important that we do this. See, Jesus's interaction with the woman that's caught in adultery, it teaches us to respond in humility to people, regardless of the circumstances. We were regarding humility. It's an important piece of the puzzle. And so in order to, re to respond to humility, who we're for rather than what we're against, it means these things. It means that we're gonna consider others above ourselves, no matter who they are no matter what they do. We consider others above ourselves. It doesn't mean we're putting ourselves down. No, 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 because we love people as we love ourselves. It's that we're gonna elevate people over and above ourselves. This is the true form of humility, not putting yourself down. It's understanding that you are a masterpiece created by God and then elevating other masterpieces over and above you. This is true humility. 
In order to do that, we gotta go beyond the minimum expectations, the way we serve people, the way we think about people, the way that we honor people, the way that we do, we gotta make sure that we're going beyond minimum expectations. And then the kicker of the whole thing is, as we're serving people, we do it with a good attitude. We don't go begrudgingly and serve people. We don't go and begrudgingly and, and, and take care of somebody where we really wish that they'd take care of us. No, no, no. We just elevate other, others over and above ourselves because this is true humility. True humility as we follow the humility of Jesus. In other words, we're seeing through the mud to the masterpiece of creation. This works in a husband-wife relationship. It works in a, in a father to a son relationship, a mother to a daughter, all of those relationships inside the, the family unit there. It works boss to subordinate, subordinate to boss. It works in every single relationship that we have on this planet, who we are for rather than what we are against. Now, here's what we have to do, okay? Here's where the rubber really meets the road. In order to be for people, you must focus on people over their perceived problems. This is what Jesus was doing with this woman. This is what Jesus was doing because the thing is, is that people were more focused on her problems. People were more focused on her behavior. Jesus was more focused on her. And in order to be for people, you gotta focus on the people over their perceived problems. And I say perceived on purpose because how many times do we assume that we know the motivation for why people are doing what they're doing? So many times. We think we know what people are thinking. We know why they're putting what they're putting on Facebook. We know why they're saying what they're saying. We know why they're acting the way they are. We know why they're addicted to what they're addicted to. We know why that they're doing the things that they're doing. And we assume these things, which we know what happens in that moment. It creates an issue, a major issue. And so it's important to understand, you cannot assume you know a person's story and you must see the person over any presumed or perceived behavior. In other words, be a friend, not a foe. Jesus is a friend. Jesus is a friend of people who are imperfect. And this is who we're called to be. You must see through the mud of behavior to the person behind the Facebook post. <laughs> Don't you hate Facebook? Oh my gosh. You gotta see through it. Because how many times do we assume so much about people scrolling through a screen? It's nuts. You gotta work hard to see through the mud of behavior to the person behind it. You wanna know the trick? You gotta see them through the lens of them as a little boy and them as a little girl growing up with needs being unmet. That's the key. If we're gonna be four people, we're gonna be who we're for rather than what we're against, we gotta see people in their 10 and under age range. And we gotta look back at them during that time, these sweet little boys, and these sweet little girls who had so many needs that were going unmet. Jesus was close. Jesus wanted to be close. So many needs that were going unmet. And we see these behaviors that are, in a, that are just an expression of an internal condition. And so as we see people this way, we're able to go beyond what we've been able to do. You got to see the little boy or the little girl screaming for attention that they never got. And they've subconsciously decided 
negative attention is still attention. We got to see this and see it for what it is. Jesus did. You want to know something? It's pretty cool. We line ourselves up with Jesus when we lay our lives down for the overlooked. And a lot of times, these exaggerated behaviors, these ooh, look at me, or these ooh, I hope I don't get caught, or these ooh, I'm going to alarm you with my whatever I'm alarming you with, it's because there's this sense of being overlooked and there's this need for that love. There's this need for that attention. We line ourselves up with Jesus when we lay our lives down for the overlooked. We see beyond the mud to the masterpiece because that's what Jesus did. You mothers, you get this. You guys in this room, you get this at a level in which the dads in this room tend to struggle. And I realize that that's not a blanket statement, but, you, but, but in, in general, you're able to see through the mud of your children's actions through to the masterpiece of their hearts. I admire this so much. You don't want to know why? Because me as a dad, me as a husband, I like to focus on the things I can fix because I'm all about fixing problems. And it's just easier to do that. But sometimes us dads, when we lean on the side of fixing problems, it creates some more problems. Am I right, moms? Sometimes it does. Sometimes it creates some more. Seeing through the mud to the masterpiece is messy, but it's worthy. It's messy, but it's worthy. Focusing on what is true, what is right, what is honorable, what is excellent, what is praiseworthy, rather than attempting to fix people is right. Because you know what happens when we do that? We're sowing seeds. We're sowing seeds. They're seeds of good news, and we can continue to water these seeds Trusting God to make them grow. Because you see that Jesus, when he met the woman who was caught in adultery, he didn't just say, hey, you know what? I love you. What you've been doing is just fine. That's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, I don't condemn you. Now go and sin no more. Jesus met her where she was, trusting that the love of God would forever change her life. That's the privilege we get as an ambassador for Jesus here on this earth. Seeing through the mud to the masterpiece, it's messy. But we can trust that as we sow these seeds, these seeds of unconditional love, these seeds of seeing through the mud to the masterpiece, we can trust that God will make them grow. And we trust God with those results. It's not on us to fix people. It's not on us to correct people. It's not on us to do these things. And oftentimes we have to understand it takes way longer than we wish it would. Oftentimes it takes way longer, but we got to stay the course and trust God with the outcome. You want to know why we do this? Jesus did it for you. Jesus saw through your mud. He's still seeing through your mud to your heart. He loves you. He's caring for you. Jesus did it for me. Jesus is continuing to see through the mud to the masterpiece in me. He's continuing to help me not look at behavior, but look to the heart. He's continually doing this. Why? Because he's showing me all this mess that I've got going on that he's saving me from. Jesus did it for you. He did it for me. And thanks be to God for that, right? The closer we get to the Lord, the further and further we realize we have to go. This is not a bad thing. It's just the life work of living life here on this earth following Jesus. It's just the life work. 
And it's a beautiful life work that is worthy. And so here's the, the, the encouragement for you tonight. As we fly the flags for people, these are the flags we wanna fly. As we fly the flags for people, may we meet people where they are, just like Jesus did. May we meet people where they are. May we be reminded of our sin along the way. May we be reminded of this, reminded of our forgiveness and subsequent freedom from shame. May we aspire for people that we encounter to be set free from any shame as a result of sin. And may we live the life that God imagined when God breathed the breath of life into each of our lives. And may we long for everyone we come in contact with to live the life that God imagined when God breathed the breath of life into their lives. Y'all, this is tough work, but it's worthy work. It's messy work, but it's worthy work. And we are never more like Jesus than when we live out this core value, who we are for rather than what we are against. Y'all, it's hard, it's holy, but this is us. Father, we need you. We need you to show the way. We need you to shine the light because Lord, it's so much easier to focus on behavior. It's so much easier to focus on what's not right rather than what is. It's so much easier to see the imperfections. It's so much easier to judge people by their behavior and ourselves by our intentions. Lord, it's so easy to be a part of the crowd that's ready to throw stones. But Lord, we thank you that you are reminding us today that you who is without sin, you be the first one to throw the stone. Lord, may we hear your words in this. And as we hear your words, may we hear the words of Paul, you through Paul that says that every single person that we long to chunk a stone at, they are your masterpiece. They are your creation and you love them deeply. You laid your life down for them and Lord, you long for us to do the same. So Lord, may we as your ambassadors here on this earth, may we receive your love and your forgiveness and your grace and mercy. And may we allow all of it to throw, flow in us and through us to all people. Hard to love people, hard to like people, hard to read people, all that stuff. Because Lord, you've done it for us and may you do it through us. We love you, Lord. Thank you so much for saving us. Thank you so much for allowing us to see people the way you do. And Lord, will you give us the eyes to see? We pray this through the name of Jesus, amen.